Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 14 recap, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. 44-27 Colts over the Las Vegas Raiders in what was a must-win game for the Colts. We had to win this game to improve to 9-4, to keep hold of our wild card spot. The Dolphins lost today. Tomorrow night on Monday Night Football, Ravens-Browns, that'll be a big one. We'll be rooting for the Cleveland Browns in that matchup. They kind of already ran away with that first wild card spot, so we'll give them that wild card spot, and now we'll try to create a little separation between us and the Ravens. But coming into this game, we have lost a lot of those matchups between us and teams we're battling for wild card playoff positioning with. We lost to the Browns. We lost to the Ravens. So this was a huge game, a must-win game for the Colts, and we come out on the winning end. Offensively, Phillip Rivers was great in this game, dominated the first half at halftime, had 210 yards and a pair of touchdowns, finishes with 244 yards, and a pair of touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over, and that's what we're asking. When you look at the offense this year, the Colts are 6-0. and When we don't turn over the football, we don't turn over the football in this game, and we find a way to win and improve to 9-4. and T.Y., again, third game in a row of T.Y. Hilton finding the end zone, had a big touchdown drought, also had that 100-yard receiving yard game drought that he broke last week and now he gets into the end zone for the third and fourth times over the last three games so it's great to see ty coming on now towards the end of the year as we make this push for the playoffs and then jonathan taylor can't say enough about jonathan taylor he was great against the packers the light went off for jonathan taylor in that game against the green bay packers he was superb last week and he was phenomenal today against the Raiders, 20 carries, 150 yards, averaging 7.5 yards per carry and a pair of touchdowns. He was fantastic on the ground today for the Colts as he's really starting to emerge into the player he was supposed to be coming out of Wisconsin. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Kenny Moore with an insane interception, a one-hand pick that really sparked the defense in the end zone, guarding a guy 10 inches taller than him in Walner, and then strips Jacobs later in the game and then we had a Kari Willis pick six, as well as the defense forces three turnovers against this Derek Carr offense. And then Frank Reich. I thought Frank Reich coached his best game of the year. I thought he hands down out coached John Gruden, and I didn't think it was particularly close. So I was really happy with the game Frank Reich put together from the game plan to in-game adjustments to the tempo and the flow and coaching to the flow and holding Chaz Green accountable and moving Nelson over to left tackle after one series of seeing that Chaz Green just flat out sucks and putting Hunt in at left guard and then putting everybody back in their normal spots when Anthony Costanzo thankfully came back into the game, taking points when it made sense late in the game. You're up 14. Don't go for it on fourth and one, not because you don't want to be aggressive, but because 17 points puts the nail in the coffin. Take the points. They're there. They're free. Take the points. The game is over. They can't. They're not going to score 17 to tie. So take the points. The game's over. I just thought Frank Reich coached a great game, and we have criticized Reich a lot. I personally have criticized Reich a lot this year, and I felt every time I have, it's been warranted. And today, you got to give credit where credit is due. He got out coached last week by Romeo Cornell. He out coached John Gruden today. 
Great job by Frank Reich. His best game of the year and maybe his best game over the last three years as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So big win, 44-27 Colts over the Las Vegas Raiders, improving to 9-4 and four on the season. Absolutely great point, Luke, and we're on, I'm I'm on board with you, brother. He was he was out. Reich was outstanding today. I thought he outcoached Gruden. I thought he. I said in the preview, I wanted to see a 60 minute game from him. Call a good 60 minute game, and I thought he was outstanding the entire game. I mean, he he took the points when we needed to take the points. I was afraid he was. You know, you always I always get worried about you know him not taking the points and trying that fourth and one Heinz dive, but he didn't do it today. He took the points at the end of the half, which I thought was a smart move. To, you know, you don't want to give the Raiders any momentum. You take the points, you go up by six. And then at the end of the game, you know, you, you obviously kick the, you kick the field goal, take the points because they put you up by three scores. So aside from those two things, I mean, the play calling today was just outstanding. We talked about this going into the game. I really thought the Raiders were one of the worst defenses we faced all year. That showed up. You still got to go out there and play the game. The Colts absolutely went out there and did what they had to do. I thought they really, you know, we look at the, the keys to the game. I thought just – you know, mixing it up. I thought they did an outstanding job doing that. I mean, the the Raiders couldn't stop the run. Then they brought up the extra guy to try to stop the run. Then we threw. So we kept them off balance all game. It was really an outstanding job by the entire, you know, offensive coaching staff, the offense in general. Phillip Rivers was outstanding today. You made a great point off air about how unselfish he is. He doesn't care about stats like a lot of the like you know a lot of of his haters do. They always bring up his interceptions or lack of touchdowns or whatever. All Phillip Rivers cares about is getting the W, and that's what we got today. I thought we dominated in the second half. Um, the offense, offensive line, I thought, did what we thought they would do. They wore them down and, and wore them out. T.Y. came up big. Mo Alley had a big catch. Zach had a big catch. I mean, just an outstanding job by the Colts offense today. And it starts with Frank Reich, just an outstanding game called. And, um, you know, I definitely think by far it's his best game of the year. I don't know about – the last three years, I'd have to go and look, go back and look. But as far as his, his performance this year, definitely by far his best coaching performance and what I would consider the biggest game right now because it's, it was the next one. So great job by Frank Wright. Great job by the offense from Phillip Rivers, the O-line, all the receivers, and, and, and then obviously Jonathan Taylor, just an outstanding football game. We saw this coming. We talked about it in the preview. Luke said he thought he could get 120-plus. He got 150. I said I thought he'd break a long touchdown, that he was close, and he broke a 62-yard touchdown. So we know what we're talking about on this show. It's why we're one of the best Colt podcasts out there, if not the best. So great job by everybody, us included, Luke. We called that. Yep, and I would say we are the best Colts podcast, and this was the best team game the Colts have played all year. This was a complete game, offense, defense, special teams, from Frank Reich to Matt Eberflus, a complete game, well coached and executed by the players. And let's start off on the offensive side of the football. Phillip Rivers, 19 of 28, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, insane on the ground, 20 carries, 150 yards, a pair of touchdowns. And T.Y. Hilton, for the third game in a row, finds the end zone, five receptions, 86 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. So the last three games, he's went over 80 yards each of the three games, and he's found the end zone at least once, four touchdowns in the last three games for T.Y. Hilton. So he struggled earlier in the season, and it wasn't always T.Y. Some of it was T.Y. getting hacked. Some of it was just bad luck. And then, of course, there were self-inflicted wounds, dropping the ball, etc. But he's back on track. He couldn't have 
gotten back on track at a better time as now we're making this push for the playoffs. He's playing his best football of the year. Frank Reich's now today in a groove. And then Jonathan Taylor and everything he's been able to do, he's been fantastic since Green Bay. Missed that second Titans game. Then last week and this week, fantastic for the Colts. Yeah, they were all outstanding. All the the offensive, I mean, just the offense in general was outstanding today. Phillip Rivers, since the Cincinnati game, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's really locked in. You know, he checked out of some pass plays at the end of the half, I thought, was which was smart. Got us some big chunk plays and got us in position for a, a really easy field goal. I, I give those three points specifically to Phillip Rivers. I thought those were big to get at the end of the half to put us up six. Just, I mean, everybody, the only negative in the whole game, and it was, and it literally was like two plays, was Chaz Green. And you could tell Frank Reich wasn't screwing around because as soon as Chaz Green got beat twice, he was like, all right, that's it. Chaz Green, you're out. I'm moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle. That's how you knew this was a big game. That's how you knew Frank wasn't screwing around. And then we got, once we got AC back, you know, our offensive line went back to the way it was. But you could tell that if, if AC didn't come back, Chaz Green wasn't seeing the field again. And that's a good sign for Cole fans because that's the last guy you want to see out there. But as far as everything else goes, I mean, you know, that we could just do whatever we wanted. We talked about it in the pregame that we were going to be able, unless we beat ourselves, we were going to be able to do whatever we wanted to do in this game. We punted one time. Everything else was, I mean, Rivers you know, found guys that were open when they, when they came up to stop the run, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he checked out of it and threw. And when they, and, you know, they were in playing coverage, we ran. So it was, it was almost like one of those old Peyton Manning games. You know, when, when the team would bring that extra guy up to stop edge, he would throw. When they, would they drop eight, they would run. I mean, Phil really called a masterful game out there, and that's an extension of Frank Reich. Then you get into Jonathan Taylor. He was outstanding. Naheem was good today. I think we ran for over 200 yards. Didn't put the ball on the ground again. We, we, I mean, our running backs do an outstanding job with, with ball security. And then you look at the offensive line. For the first time, I really thought they imposed their will and really finished a team uh, down the stretch of a game and just wore them down. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was one of our, it was a patented Frank Wright game because it was one of those games where our offensive line just dominated the line of scrimmage and took over the game. And we did whatever we wanted. They didn't really pressure. Phillip, other than when Chaz was in the game, once he was out of the game, that I mean, we, we he had he had he had he had a lot of time. There was a couple play, there was a couple really good plays he made though when he was pressured, where he stepped up, he avoided the you know he's not he's not athletic, but he ha, he's agile enough to avoid the rush and step up in the pocket, climb the ladder, and make some great throws. Two, I think there were two of those plays. So I, I have nothing but great things to say about this performance today. Definitely the best offensive performance when you look at it as a whole from the running game. To the to the passing game, the blocking downfield. I mean, the upfront guys, the 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 O line, just outstanding by everybody. I don't have anything bad to say. It was just an uh, just an unbelievable job by the offense. And man, what a, it's a great time to start clicking because this is down the stretch. We're in the home stretch now, the final four, if you will, before the playoffs. And uh, that that was a big time performance. It was great to see and and just an outstanding job by by the coaching staff and all the players, they, they, they balled out today. It was an outstanding, great, great game. No question. You can't make the playoffs in September, October, November. You could only miss the playoffs. The Colts stayed in it, and now we're playing our best football of the year in December when you make that final push to get into the postseason. The only real knock on offense were the two or three plays that Chaz Green had to play in this game, and then Reich took him out. He puts Nelson in at left tackle. 
brings Hunt into the game and plays him at left guard. And then Costanzo comes back the following series. And a couple weeks ago, or the last couple times we had to play with Chaz Green or LaRaven Clark, Frank Reich said in his presser, both Sunday and Monday, that LaRaven Clark and Chaz Green looked really good. They did a good job. They're quality backups or whatever he said. And as much as it bothered me, I said it won't bother me as much if he shows action. Because what bothers me is, like, the coach talk stuff is fine as long as you don't actually believe it. When you go out there and you play a full game and you don't help Chaz Green against J.J. Watt, that's an issue. Because now the coach talk is going out onto the field and it's translating into not making adjustments and not helping players who are obviously handicapped. Chaz Green can't take J.J. Watt one-on-one. If you play him 10 times one-on-one, he's going to give up six sacks. It just won't work. So to see Frank Reich go into action and have to make a change while Anthony Costanza's in the locker room, that was huge. Just like at the end of the game, he kicks a field goal. At the end of the half, he kicks a field goal. You have to have a feel for the game. And somebody said to me this week, when I was complaining about that fourth and one Naheem Hines call from last week, they were like, well, Luke, you're just, you don't like his aggression. And I said, no, it's not that I don't like his aggression. I didn't like the personnel. I didn't like the formation. And I didn't like the play call. I like going for it there. I had no problem going for it on fourth and one. And they said, yeah, but you complained about another fourth and one a couple weeks ago. And I said, you mean the Ravens game? It was an 11 point game. In my opinion, on fourth and whatever, fourth and an inch, you kick the field goal because it's a two possession game and there's five minutes left. We're only going to get the ball back one more time. So, if you kick the field goal, it's an eight-point game. You get the ball back, you're only down that one possession. Now you only need to get the ball back one more time. You don't need to get it back two or three more times. So to me, everything's about situations. It's a situational way of coaching it. And in this game, right before the half, you take the points there. And then at the end of the game, it's a 14-point game. You kick the field goal, now it's three possessions. So it's really just about having a good feel for the game. Not every fourth and one is equal. Not every situation is the same. It could be fourth and one, you're down by nine. It's a two-possession game. It could be fourth and one, you're down by three. Or you're down by four, you're down by five. So it depends on the situation. It depends on the score. It depends on how much time's left. It depends on the momentum of the offense. And I just thought Reich had such a great feel for the game. Because he is, any 50-50 time, he's going to go for it. Because he's more of an aggressive coach. But today he played to the clock, he played to the score, he played to the opponent, and he just was very comfortable in the flow of the game. He felt the flow of the game the entire time, and then any coach talk BS garbage he said about Chaz Green in the past, today he went into action. And Chaz Green, if you're not getting it done, then we're going to move over Nelson, and we're going to revamp the offensive line, even if it's just for a series until Costanzo comes back because we're not messing around. This game is too big to have a strip sack here in the first quarter, scoop and score the other way. We can't afford to have those type of errors. So he doesn't need to badmouth his players in the media. That's never what I'm asking. I'm just asking for the coach talk not to translate to the field. And today it did not translate to the field that we saw him make adjustments, and hold guys accountable, and I love to see it. So all the credit in the world today, not the whole season, not next week, not the week after, today goes to Frank Reich. I absolutely 100% agree with you, and and you know, and anybody that's listening to the show knows, 
I'm a huge aggressive guy. I'm all about being aggressive, but it's got to be smart. You know what I mean? And and the thing with Frank and the thing that I think he has an issue with sometimes is feel for the game, personnel groupings, and trying to outsmart everyone. My issue with him's never been going for it. There's been some, you know, some instances I have had an issue with that. But as as a general rule, I'm good with the aggressiveness because that's what wins you games. If you believe in your team, then you should be aggressive. My issue has always been the play calling and the personnel groupings. And today, I thought he was outstanding. I thought, you know, he took the as I stated earlier, he took the points in positions where we had to take points in my opinion you can't come away from that last drive in the first half with nothing after you just drove all the way down the field you have two huge chunk runs which I thought were spectacular decisions by Rivers to get out of a pass because you know they're playing pass there they're covering the goal line you don't want to press you know try to press a ball in there and get it picked off so he just took the run and we damn near scored a touchdown so we get it down to the one yard line. There's one second left. You kick, you kick the point. You, you kick the field goal. You go up six. That means they have to score a touchdown. Now, granted, we knew that they were going to score a touchdown. We were going to have to score more points, and we ended up with 44 points. So taking those points, I think, was smart. Gave us some extra momentum. And then, obviously, at the end of the game, that's to me, that's an easy decision because you're, you know, you're going from a two score game to a three score game. And he made the right call. We've seen him make the wrong call. I've, I mean. We saw him make the wrong call in Houston. We've seen him make the wrong call in Jacksonville. We've seen it countless times. But today, he was outstanding. Made all the right calls. Made all the right moves. Loved the the aggressiveness. I also loved the different things he showed on film. The uh, wildcat formation with Hines, I thought was an outstanding call. Gives everybody that we play from here on out, whether it be in the regular season and hopefully the playoffs, something else to worry about when we get in those short yarded situations because now you're talking about a guy in Hines that not only could you know keep it and score but then you could pitch it to you know you could pitch it outside to Taylor and score or whoever the running back is so love the game plan thought he out coach Gruden definitely you know the Colts usually struggle against Gruden whether it you know it, wherever the game is usually it's in Indianapolis honestly but I thought today you outcoached him. I thought it was an outstanding game plan, and I thought the Colts' offense just absolutely destroyed that defense. And honestly, I expected them to. If you listen to the pregame, really the only guy I thought on the Raiders' defense that was a real difference maker for them was Max Crosby. And, and Costanzo and Braden Smith did an outstanding job on him. I think he made one play the entire game. That's it. I heard his name one time. And he's a really, really good young player. So they did an outstanding job of taking him out of the game offensive line just took over it was like you know it was like we flashed back to to Kansas City last year or one of those games where we rushed for 200 yards it was it was just a beautiful thing to see in a game that we had to have it now we've got the tiebreaker over them plus a two-game lead so I think we pretty much ended the Raiders hopes of going to the playoffs minus some kind of miraculous uh you know comeback from them and uh I couldn't be happier I mean nothing against the Raiders but we had to have this game and I thought Frank Reich earned his money today he was outstanding and I thought the offense from like like I said I can't say enough good things about it. I know I keep repeating myself but Phil was Phil was Phil he did his thing when the plays were there in the passing game he took them he didn't force any bad throws he didn't have any what the f throws you know he threw the ball away when he when there was nothing there checked out of passes in the runs because and Luke, everybody knows I love Phil at this point, but the thing I love about him is he's so damn selfless. He does not care yep. about stats. 
All he cares about is winning. And you see him on the sideline with Jacoby. They're laughing. They're having a great – I mean, I love, I, I love this team, dude. I love the players on this team. I'm oh, Look, the media tried to bring up Andrew Luck this week, and we will always love Andrew Luck on this show. But let's move on. We've got, we've got a damn good quarterback right now who's playing his ass off. We're 9-4. and four. We're still in this division hunt, and there's a lot of things to talk about. And as much as I love Andrew Luck, I thought it was kind of Bush League for them to start dragging that up again this week. Totally when we got an 8-4 eight eight team to cover going into the biggest game of the season, and we're going to talk about that. But, man, I loved what I saw from Phil today, loved what I saw from the offense today. This is definitely one of our better teams, Luke, that I've seen in the last 10 years. We were a really, really solid football team. No question. And also, Luck retired this was a choice by luck he doesn't want to be here he doesn't want to be playing football that's fine and although i wish it never happened for the media to bring that up this week multiple times to ty on good morning football and then to ursay in an interview with michael silver come on that was a year and a half ago the colts are before during these interviews the colts were eight and four now we're nine and four we're in prime spot right now to be heading to the postseason with Phillip Rivers, I just thought it was, honestly, quite frankly, I thought it was disrespectful. I thought it was disrespectful to T.Y. I thought it was disrespectful to Ursay. I thought it was disrespectful to Andrew Luck, who's trying to enjoy his retirement. And he should watch the Colts and watch his former teammates and coaches. And he shouldn't have to read about, is Andrew Luck coming out of retirement? I would love for it to happen this offseason for him to come back. I would love it. But... Let's just enjoy the games. Let's just enjoy the season this team is putting together. And it's not even the fans. The fans are the ones just kind of no. letting it roll off their back. And then the indie media this yep. week then says, hey, fans, stop asking. We're not asking. The fans have never been the ones to ask. Like early on, yeah, sure. But the last couple months, we're all in on Phillip Rivers and whoever the quarterback after Phillip Rivers is, and we've moved on. That's what you do in yeah, life. Well, all- yeah, you move on, and we all and everybody knows. If you're a Colt fan, you'll always love Andrew Luck for what he did. He did so much for this organization, and I'll always appreciate that. He put his body on the line. But at this point, you've got an eight and four team with a damn good quarterback leading it. I thought it was disrespectful to Rivers and the rest of the team, honestly, because it's just a distraction. Why are you going to drag a distraction? I mean, Andrew Luck didn't come out of the woodwork to talk about the Colts. He was just paying respect to his friend who just won Walter Payton Man of the Year for the Colts. That's all that was. And that drags up all this other garbage that has nothing to do with anything. So I was really happy that the Colts came out and played the way they did. Hopefully the media will start giving them some respect. I mean, they've earned it. They're 9-4. and four. They beat some really good teams. They won a huge game this week, and they won dominating really from the second half on, uh, the start of the second half on, they dominated. I just want to hear about this team. I've moved on from Andrew Luck. I'll always love the guy. I'll always respect him. But we're rolling with Phil, man. Phil's balling right now. 15 yep. touchdowns, four interceptions since Cincinnati. Only nine interceptions. Nine this entire year. No fumbles. None. That's outstanding ball security from a guy that was supposedly washed up in a turnover machine and all this other garbage that was spewed. What did we tell you on this show? that Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers would make magic. They're 9-4. and four. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not division leaders right now, but we're tied, and we still got a shot. And a lot of people thought we wouldn't even win seven games with this guy, and there were even people that thought Phillip Rivers was, you know, would throw 25 interceptions. That was never going to be the case. This offense was 
built for a guy like him. He's not washed up. He's definitely got at least another year in him. And he's playing on an injured toe that's even worse than turf toe that he's going to have to have surgery on. And he never talks about it. Unlike somebody like Ben Roethlisberger, who acts like he's got his leg blown off every game. <laughs> Philip Rivers just goes out there and plays his ass off, never talks about injuries, doesn't make excuses, and I love the guy. I hated him when he was an opponent because he used to beat our ass and rub our nose in it. Now he's my quarterback, and I love the guy. I love his competitiveness. I love how he doesn't make excuses. I love how he stands up for his teammates, and I love how great of a teammate he is and how unselfish he is. It's something that I've learned over this year of having him as our quarterback. I love the guy. I really do. I love everything he stands for, everything he's about. And I'm so happy we signed him, and I'm glad he's our quarterback. No question about it. I couldn't have said it any better, Jason. And it's funny because I hated him so much in San Diego and Los Angeles. He's only been our quarterback for one year. There might be another year next year. But let's say it ends after this year. Despite hating him for, what, 15 years with the Chargers, I'll be giving him a standing ovation when he gets into the Hall of Fame because that's how much he's changed my perception on him this year as my quarterback. He'll always be a Charger. He'll always be a Charger first. I'm not going to be one of those idiot Bronco fans that makes it like Peyton Manning was more of a Bronco than a Colt. Phillip Rivers will always be a Charger. But right now, this year, currently, he's an Indianapolis Colt, and I will be giving him a standing up when he gets into the Hall of Fame because this one year of him being my quarterback – really changed my perception on how much I hated him when he was the Chargers quarterback. And I think a lot of the Colt fans who hated him this offseason and hated him coming in hated him because of how much they hated him, and rightfully so, when he was the Chargers quarterback. But I never understood the logic of letting that infiltrate your fandom of him becoming the Colts quarterback. Now that he's your quarterback, you're going to hate him because of what he did to us in 2007 when he was with the Chargers or what he did to us last year in week one. Like that's such idiotic logic just because you hated him. Now he's your quarterback. So now everything changes. Now you can root for him because he's wearing your colors. We are Colt fans. We're not fans of individual players. So when the player comes to your team, things change. Yeah, absolutely. And and another reason I think a lot of people, you know, were down on him, and I was never one of these people because I think you have to look deeper inside stats than than just looking at them, uh, was the 20 interceptions last year. Yeah, that's not great, but you have to understand he was on a bad team, and the the competitor in him is always going to try to make plays. And when you're trying to make plays and come from behind for a bad team, you're going to throw picks. And he does the thing I love about him, and that's one of the things I love about him, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't like he cares that he throws interceptions, but what I'm saying is he doesn't care what his stats look like. He only cares about winning. And he was trying to win those games for the Chargers last year, but they just weren't good enough. I knew once he got in this offense, he was not going to throw 20 interceptions. He's too good. There's a reason this guy, and I think he is a Hall. Now I've seen now that I've seen him play, I think he is a Hall of Fame player. I really do. Because Luke, one thing I'll say about him: how often has he has he really put us in bad spots? Really. I mean, when we're talking about calling a game, when he, see, when he reads a defense, he gets us out of bad plays. He's such a smart, cerebral player. I don't and think Jason, he gets enough he's credit he's getting for that. smarter. Isn't he getting smarter as the season goes on? Like, yeah. those calls right before the half, those the way he yeah. managed the clock, and Wright gets a lot of credit for this too, and everybody on the offense were getting to their spot and everything. Everybody deserves credit. But it seems like 
he's getting smarter and it seems like he's getting more accurate. It seems like he's getting like not just smarter in terms of like getting the play calls in and changing stuff at the line, but his right. like where he's throwing the ball. Like he made a couple of throws earlier in the season where it was like the daily and Charger fans warned us he's gonna make the daily or one week or once a game or whatever decision where you're like, oh God, here we go again. Let's just hope the defense drops it. And he's gotten so many full complete games where he doesn't make right. one throw where it's like, Jesus, that could have been picked. He's been so smart. Right. He's gotten smarter as the year goes on. And we heard coming from the Chargers, he has a noodle arm. I watched Peyton Manning in 2015 with the Broncos. And as the year went on, even though they went out and won the Super Bowl, and it'd be great if the Colts season could end like that. But as the season went on for Manning, he got worse and worse. The arm strength weakened. Not only is Rivers getting smarter as the year goes on, it seems like his arm is getting stronger and stronger, and that's with the bad foot. So, because he yep. climbed the pocket twice today, and he made two yep. really big throws. One was a third down throw when the game was still close early on. He gets that ball out to T.Y., and he knew he was going to take a shot. A 39-year-old man, he knew he was going to take a shot on that. He didn't care. He put it out there for T.Y. It was a perfect pass. You got to make that there. You know, it's, a, it's not a hard throw to make but you have to make that throw and he's able to make that throw and put it on the money knowing the hit is coming so I'm just I'm so happy with what we've gotten out of Philip Rivers the fact there are there are still Philip Rivers haters out there that are supposed to be Colt fans is out of this world to me other fans fans of other teams that don't watch him week in and week out and I've only seen him once or twice when we were on TV this year I guess I could kind of understand them hating on Rivers because they're not watching him. Any Colt fan that's watching him week in and week out, I don't understand how you could hate him. And we're sitting at 9-4. and four. We're sitting at 9-4, and four and he's a big reason why. A full year of Jacoby, we are not 9-4 and four right now. Oh, no, no. Hell we're better than last year probably because there's so much more yeah. talent on the team. But we really struggled earlier this season when we started off 5-2. and two, We don't start off 5-2 and two again this year with Jacoby because we didn't have the run game. We didn't have the Marlon Mack run game this year. Now we do with Jonathan Taylor. Now we're like right now, if Jacoby started playing games, we might be able to win the way we won in the beginning of the year last year because of the run game. But we're able to throw the ball with Phillip Rivers. And now the O-line's coming together the way they were last year. And Jonathan Taylor is now turning into last year's version of Marlon Mack. And T.Y.'s playing the best football he's played in three-plus years. So it's all starting to come together for the Colts. We're getting healthy at the right time. Rhodes and Leonard went down, so we're going to have to see what their status is. But when you look at this team, a lot, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is starting to come together and gel at the right time now in the month of December heading closer and closer to the playoffs. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about about Phillip Rivers, obviously his toughness stands out, and he never complains, and, and he'll stand in there and take a take a hit. But one thing that really I love about him that's underrated, yes, he's never went to a Super Bowl, and yes, he's never won a Super Bowl, but I lo- the thing I'm, I feel good about if we make the playoffs, which is, you know, hopefully we get that done, is – Nothing's going to bother him. We get in the playoffs. We're, we're on the road in Kansas City. He's played there a million times. We, we, you know, like he, he's played, he's seen everything. So, like, it, it's so different than if we went, would have went to the playoffs with Jacoby, which obviously is not going to happen. But he's seen it all. He's played in New England against Brady at his in his prime with a torn ACL. He's done all these insane things, like as far as just 
playoff experience. Yeah, his record isn't that great, but sometimes you play better teams. You know, a lot of the like a lot of people forget. Like even when Peyton was our quarterback, the teams we were playing against a lot of the times went on to win the Super Bowl because they were better than us. Sometimes people forget that, and I think a lot of the times people forget that with Phil. You know, like he he was on some really good teams. Really, the one the one team that I think that that really probably should have won. You know, maybe won was the one year we won the Super Bowl. That was their best team. But other than that, I don't think Philip was ever on the best team in the AFC. So people always point to he hasn't been to a Super Bowl and he's only been to one AFC championship and all this other stuff. Flush all that garbage. We have a good defense. We have a great offensive line, and that's coming into its own. T.Y. is starting to play like T.Y. Jonathan Taylor is finally running the ball like we thought he could. This guy with a running game, remember, we had no running game for basically the first 10 weeks of the season. Now we have a running game. This is a different animal. This is a different team. So if, if you're one, you know, if, if, I'm sure that people think we suck and we're not a very good team and we're soft and whatever when they look at our stats and they see Phil's our quarterback and he's 39 or whatever. Well, we'll see you in the playoffs and we'll see how that goes. I still want Tennessee again too, by the way. So hopefully we can make that happen. I don't care where that game is. I want to see Tennessee with our full roster against their full roster to decide who the best team in this division is. I don't give a shit if it's in Tennessee or Indianapolis. That's a game I want. No question. The only team I don't want in the first round is Pittsburgh if we beat them week 16. If we lose to them week 16, I'll want them. I want Cleveland. I'd want Kansas City, I mean, I don't want Kansas City that much, especially because we beat them last year, so that could be like a revenge game for them from last year. And then, of course, I want Tennessee. It would be like 2018. Yeah. We lose the division, and then we go to Houston, and we beat the Texans. I would love to see the Titans in the first round. So I think we covered all bases offensively. Phil Rivers, Frank Reich, the offensive line, fantastic today. Nelson doing his thing. I left tackle when he has to go over there and then back to his natural position where he is an all-pro left guard. T.Y. Hilton finding the end zone for the fourth time in three games. Jonathan Taylor having a career game and for the second time, second game in a row, averaging over seven yards per carry. And what about this? Because Naheem Hines had a really good game too. Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor combined for 208 yards on only 27 carries. <laughs> Both of them were fantastic, and the two touchdowns, both by Jonathan Taylor. And a great read there by Naheem Hines, because that's his job on that read, to give it to Taylor to score. So just a really solid all-around job by this offense. I'm so happy for T.Y., because he was struggling this year. And to see him come together late in this season, playing for that next contract, I think he's earned himself a one- or two-year extension for sure, the way he's playing down yep. the stretch and the way he's gelling with Phillip Rivers. This is his third quarterback Absolutely. in three years. That's not easy to do for yep. Frank Reich as a coach or for T.Y. Hilton as your number one wide receiver. It's different for a guy like Pittman. This is his first quarterback. It's different for a guy like Pascal who was never really, really – in the offense as like a number two or a number three guy. But you have T.Y. all those years with Andrew Luck. Then last year with Jacoby. And then you could even go before 2018. He goes full year with Jacoby, full year with Andrew Luck, full year with Jacoby, full year with Phillip Rivers. So he's gone. It's been like this crazy game of ping pong. He hasn't had 
that cohesive consistency with a quarterback in back-to-back years since Andrew Luck in, what, 2014-15? That's a long time. And even 15, Andrew Luck was all banged up, and there was a carousel of quarterbacks in the middle of the year with Hasselbeck and Charlie Whitehorst or whatever his name was. Like, we had 30 quarterbacks (laughs) that year. So it's been a really long time since T.Y. had, I would say, 20 consecutive games with one quarterback. So now him and Phil... They're on the same page. I'm so happy for T.Y. I'm so happy for Jonathan Taylor. And we saw the light bulb go off for Jonathan Taylor in the Packers game. And we said it in that Packers game. Then the next week he has COVID, can't play. He comes back last week. He was really good, but he just didn't touch the ball enough. And he still almost had 100 yards. He only had 13 carries, 91 yards on 13 carries, plus a big touchdown reception. And then in this game... 20 carries, 150 yards, a 62-yard touchdown, and then another touchdown just playing his best football as a pro. And he's got a real shot now at 1,000 yards. I think he's about 250 yards away. And the way he's running the ball, I expect 100 each of the next three games, to be honest. Maybe not the Pittsburgh game, but next week I expect maybe another 150. And then the Jaguars at Week 17, they're going to be on vacation in that game. So, I would not be surprised if Jonathan Taylor gets to 1,000 yards. Yeah, and, and when you talk about Jonathan Taylor, as, as good as he's been, it starts with the offensive line. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this before we move on to the defense. I just want to say this. I thought Braden Smith, Mark Lewinsky, Ryan Kelly, Joey Hunt when he was in there, uh, Quentin Nelson, of course, and then Anthony Costanzo coming back on an MCL issue injury after one week and doing the job that he did in this game, I I, I just want to I want to give him a, a I mean that's that's outstanding. He did a great job on Max Crosby. I thought the offensive line today by far their best game dominated. I, I thought all five of those guys and six if you count Hunt were just just outstanding. They were open. I mean there were huge holes. I mean and the cutback lanes were there. Naheem did a great job reading uh, some of those holes and, and Taylor too. I mean it was just. The holes were so big, and they just did an absolutely outstanding job. We've been hard on them some this year, and they've earned that. But today, they were outstanding. They look like the line from the eight from the 2018-2019 season. And I'm telling you, this team with a running game is a whole different ball game for teams to prepare for. So I just wanted to, to take a second point out that hey, we for the culture, we, Luke and I, we noticed, we saw, we saw what you guys did to those boys. You destroyed them. You took their heart. We stomped on them in the second half and kept running and kept running and just took their soul. It was great to see. Huge win. Outstanding job by those, by those guys up front. They were outstanding today. No question. And then let's flip over now to the defensive side of the football. We hold them to 27 points. They're averaging about 27 a game, so we hold them to their average. That final touchdown, though, it's against the prevent defense. We have a ton of backups in the game for the rushing touchdown for Derek Carr. Early in the game, though, the first 14 points – on the second and third possession, very annoying. But then for the rest of the game, Ben don't break. We have a Ben don't break drive where Kenny Moore makes a ridiculous. He looked like Michael Jordan. If you oh do a freeze God. frame, one hand, you're talking about a five foot eight corner who was having a really rough first half before that play. But that was a big time play. And big time players make big time plays. We had a 10 zip lead, 14 unanswered. The only punt of the game for the Colts and 14 unanswered 
for the Raiders. Then we take a lead again on the bomb to T.Y. They go right down the field. Kenny Moore got bullied on that drive, too, by Waller. And then... You throw up a jump ball to the 6'6 tight end in the back of the end zone, and the five foot eight corner goes back, and he doesn't cradle it into his body, Jason. He goes up, and he palms the ball. That was a grown man catch. That was like a grizzly bear catching a fish in a river. Just all paw, no tapping it to yourself, no bringing it in, no pinning it on your shoulder pad or your helmet. That was a grown man catch. Palming the ball. And coming down with the interception. And it changed the game for the defense because we don't give up a touchdown until the last drive of the game with a minute left when the game was obviously out of reach at 44-20. And then 44-27. We have another turnover forced by Kenny Moore. And then we have a pick six for Kari Willis on a tip ball. So we end up coming away with three takeaways, no sacks in this game, but three takeaways for the defense, all caused by the secondary Stallworth jumping on that strip by Kenny Moore. And the defense in a game where I wouldn't say they were great, they still give up 27 points. They forced three turnovers and they score a touchdown and seven of the 27 come in garbage time. So the more you think about it, you're like, you know what? They weren't great today because we hold them to such a high standard. But that sounds pretty damn good. I'll take 20 points a game with a prevent at the end because you're up so big, forcing three turnovers, scoring seven points the other way on a pick six. Yeah, well, first and foremost, before I get into the Colts, you got to give the Raiders credit. I mean, they're a good offensive football team. They average, I think they're 11th in scoring. And they've got good players. They've got a good offensive line. They got one of their better offensive linemen back in this game, and Trent Brown, Josh Jacobs. I knew would play. He's an outstanding young running back. Darren Waller, I think, is he might be the best tight end in the league. They've got some good outside receivers. They're a good offense, so you're not going to shut them down. I didn't expect to come into this game and hold them to three points like some insane Colt fans thought. I knew it was going to be a you know it was going to be a struggle because Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think he gets a lot of crap. I think he's underrated. I think he's 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 not bad. He's certainly one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. And if you give him time, he'll pick you apart. We didn't do a great job of getting to him. But some of that is their offensive line. you got to give them credit. But the bottom line is when plays had to be made in this game, the Colts defense made them. And that's what I love about this team. Kenny Moore is a prime example of what I love about Flus coach defenses and most of the players on this defense. Not all of them. They're not all like this. But he had a hor- I mean, like you mentioned, he had a horrible start to the game. And it is very easy to go into the tank and get down on yourself and, and, and just have a bad, just a completely bad game. But he didn't do that. And that's what I love about a lot of these players. Adversity just makes them play harder, makes them stronger. And yes, he had some adversity, and Jason, but he overcame it. I'll take it one step further. He didn't even have a chance to go to the sideline and regroup or go into the locker room at halftime and regroup. That horse collar, when he got he got stiff-armed and yep. bullied by Waller, was the same drive. And he comes yep. back and he says, as embarrassing as this drive might have been for me, as small as I might be in this matchup, I'm going to win this drive. That looked like a touchdown all the way. And he comes down with the one-handed pick. So he didn't even say, I'm going to sulk on the sideline and then get it back. Nope. That's what most people no, do. He... Like most guys who have 
you know, fight adversity, they get it back the next drive. He said, I'm going to get it back this drive. And not only does he get it back that drive, he changes the tone for the rest of the game. They don't get in the end zone until the last minute, and it was garbage time, and most of the starters were out of the game for the Colts. That's why this is one of my favorite teams, Luke, that I've watched over the years. They're, they're just all such high-character players. Um, they make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. He had a rough start. But the character that Kenny Moore has, and we all know about what kind of guy he is off the field, but even on, I mean, but it carries over to on the field. I think it's all connected. And he's, he's such a high-character guy. And that play he made, I just want to tell you, I'm 43 years old. I'm, if anybody didn't know, Luke's the young one. I'm the old one. I've watched Colts football since 1983. That is by far the most impressive interception I've seen a Colts defensive back or any Colts player besides maybe Marvin Harrison in Tennessee have. That that catch is unbelievable when you consider he's five foot nine going against a six foot six tight end in the most probably that was the most important drive of the game. He makes a one handed catch, snatches it, comes down doesn't use his other hand, comes down with the ball and bounce, gets both feet in. This is in the back of the end zone. Gets both feet in. Ball never comes close to touching the ground. That play, to me, changed the entire outlook of not only this game, but our season. Because that, game, that play changed the momentum of this game. Our defense got on a high after that. Our offense did their thing. We were just a different team after that. A completely different team. I don't know what we outscored them by. I know they got that trash touchdown at the end. But we dominated from that point on. And I think it began with Kenny Moore. And he just kept making plays after that. The guy is a playmaker. He's underrated. He should be in the Pro Bowl. He's one of the best slot corners in the league. High character player. And I just thought the defense buckled down like they have. They did a great job slowing uh, Josh Jacobs down. He didn't. I don't think Jacobs had a very good game. They did what they needed to do as far as slowing the rundown. Carr made some plays. Waller made some plays. We missed some tackles. We did not play well to start the game. Julian Blackman on that play, that long touchdown play to Fabian Moreau, he's got to make that – he's the last guy. He's got to make that tackle. You, can't, you cannot let a, t- a tight end cut back and get in the end zone. you got to make that tackle. But you know what? Bad plays happen. Adversity happens. What great teams do is they overcome it. The Colts overcame all that adversity, came back, and they really buried the Raiders. They put their foot on their neck at the end of this game, and with the, with the Kari Willis pick, they put an exclamation point on it. I thought, for the most part, I mean, you're going to give up some plays to a good offense. That's going to happen. I'm not one of these people that expects the Colts to shut every team out. That's not reality. The other teams get have good players. They get paid. It's the same deal. But I thought our defense, when the chips were down like they have all year, made the plays that they needed to make to win this game, and it all started with that incredible, and I mean incredible interception by 23, man. That was a great play by him. Yep, and you know what time it is, Jason. It's time for the For the Culture Player of the Game. I'm going to start us off with the rookie out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries, 150 yards, averaging 7.5 yards per carry. Could you imagine a guy who averaged over 7 yards per carry last week having an even better average per carry this week, increasing his carries by 7 from 13 with 91 yards to this week, 20 carries, averaging 7.5 yards per carry, 150 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. And then in the receiving game, 
also caught a pass or caught two passes for 15 yards. So Jonathan Taylor, they're getting him involved. And Reich is being less stubborn with the way he's using his running backs. And we were just fantastic on the ground today. Shout out to the offensive line as well. It's not possible without the play of the offensive line. But to see Jonathan Taylor now emerge into the role of Marlon Mack. He had a Mack-like performance today. Or maybe even better than a Mack-like performance. Because he was just... You know, he was, you know, he's his own player, and I don't want to just make it like it's Marlon Mack or nothing. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's Jonathan Taylor, and he had a performance that we were used to getting last year out of Marlon Mack. So to get it now out of Jonathan Taylor and to see the second rounder out of Wisconsin now really come into his own in the Pittsburgh game, in the Houston game, and then today, which was the ultimate breakout game because he housed one from 60-plus, Jonathan Taylor, without a doubt, and there was a lot of great guys to choose from, my for the culture player of the game yeah he was outstanding there's no question he was going to be one of our picks because i mean he he just i mean he showed out today that that touchdown run the speed the i mean he was uh, he he was unbelievable today and and it's funny because this is probably for me the toughest game to pick a player of the game from because i mean Philip Rivers was outstanding. T.Y. Hilton was outstanding. The offensive line was outstanding. Frank Reich was outstanding. Kari Willis was outstanding. Bobby Okariki was back. He was outstanding. But the guy I got to go with is the guy we talked about a few minutes ago, and that's 23, Kenny Moore. I thought he made the game-changing play, changed the momentum of the game. Uh, the defense was just different after that. He made that great play. Then he made another great play. The guy's just an unbelievable playmaker. For his size, he's, he's such a good tackler. He started off rough, but great players overcome adversity. And I'm really starting to think Kenny Moore is a great player. He's obviously a Pro Bowl caliber player, one of the best slot corners in the game. He was outstanding today. Definitely changed the momentum of the game, which in turn, I think, changed the momentum of our season because now everything we want is in front of us. We, uh, you know, if we went out, we can win the division. Now, I know that's a lot to ask because we go to Pittsburgh and Christ, we haven't won there but once since like 1969. But anything's possible with this team. I, I know one thing Phil, Philip Rivers is not going to be intimidated playing against the Steelers' defense. So, you know, we went out, we could still win this division. But as far as this game goes, I thought. The play by Kenny Moore changed the game, and uh, he was he was great from that point on. He was great, and uh, he was absolutely super important to this win. And uh, we, you know, without that, without him out there, I don't think anybody else makes that play in the end zone. So, a uh, huge play by him, outstanding from that point on. Kenny Moore, the second number twenty-three, paying homage to Michael Jordan with that play, my player of the game. Yep, Jonathan Taylor, Kenny Moore are for the culture players of the game offense and defense. Kenny Moore, not just with the pick, but then also forcing that forced fumble. And then Jonathan Taylor, 150 yards on only 20 carries and a pair of touchdowns in a must-win game for the Indianapolis Colts. And now this takes some pressure off. You win two out of these last three, you'll be in the playoffs. 11-5 is going to get you into the playoffs, today being our ninth win, next week potentially our tenth. So then even if you lose to Pittsburgh, you could come back week 17, beat the Jags, and you're heading to the postseason. You sweep the board, Tennessee still has to play the Packers, and I think they have to go to Green Bay to play the Green Bay Packers. So the division is still winnable. We'll most likely need to go into Pittsburgh and beat them, but that's possible. The Washington football team just did it, so why can't we? So I think that the division is still alive. I wouldn't bank on us losing that game and still having a chance because then 
the Packers would have to beat the Titans, but then the Titans would also need to lose Week 17 most likely to the Texans, and I just Tex- don't see that happening. The Texans already look like they went on vacation. Last week looked like their last hurrah of playing hard, and then we beat them on what was really a backbreaker with the bad snap, and then they come out today they, against a bad Bears they, team, or at least a bad Bears offense, and they get smoked. So I expect us to smoke them next week, and then another week after that, and then another week after that, they'll end up playing the Titans. So I think they're just going to be out of it at that point. I think that if Watson and Watt are playing, you're always going to get 100% from them. But the rest of the team, they're going to be on vacation. That's just the way I feel like it's going to play out over the next couple of weeks. So I think the division is winnable, but it's going to take us winning out and then the Titans losing to the Packers. I think that's the only path, but a path nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, after we lost that game, I thought it was over. I thought it was a wrap. It's not. I mean, we got this game. I mean, it, it, anything can happen. The Steelers, I mean, as, as crazy as this sounds, because we played the Steelers a million times, and we, we rarely beat them. So, you know, I don't expect to win that game. But they don't impress me, Luke. They really don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost their first-round game. Uh, they have no running game to speak of. They've lost Bud Dupree for the season the Colts can absolutely go in there and win. That's not an unwinnable game. It's not, you know, we're not going against the, you know, the, the, the 1984 49ers or the 85 bears. This is a beatable team. So we're still in this. We, if we like Frank said in his presser this week, we control our destiny. I really feel like if we win the rest of our games, we're going to win the division because I, I have a hard time seeing that Tennessee defense controlling Aaron Rodgers. I really do. But anything's possible. I mean, listen, we put ourselves in this position with the way we played against Tennessee in the second game. But either way, the win today really solidifies our position in the playoff picture. I feel good about where we're at. The Dolphins have a tough schedule down the stretch. The Raiders are now on the outside looking in. New England is done. Baltimore has to go to Cleveland. So we're in good position. We have to just take care of business. And what business is, is definitely beating Houston next week and definitely beating Jacksonville. If we do those two things, we will 100% be in the playoffs, no questions asked. That's what we're aiming for, because once you get in the tournament, it doesn't matter, especially in a pandemic year where there aren't fans. The road, the, the home field advantage is not going to be a real home field advantage, other than the fact that a team is going to have to travel to the game. Other than that, there's no real advantage. It's just a football field, no fans. So, I like where we're at, especially after this game. I think we're maybe maybe this game, you know, catapults us in to playing our best football of the season down the stretch in these last three games and into the playoffs. But honestly, the biggest concern I have from this game and my biggest worry is Xavier Rhodes with that knee and the ankle calf, whatever that is, because he was limping around after the game, and Darius. Darius went into the locker room with a back injury, didn't come out. We have to have those guys. It's imperative our defense will not be the same if those guys are out for an extended period. Now, I do think we can win two of the last three games with them, but in the playoffs, we have to have those guys. Those guys are difference makers in this defense. There's no doubt about it. And this was a complete team game, and Frank Wright coached his best game of the season, maybe his best game of his Colts tenure the last three years in Indianapolis. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Guys, we will be back on Thursday with the Colts 
Texans game preview week 15 right here on the For the Culture Podcast.